Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. My next guest on um, Health Matters at BU Sargent College uh, is someone I've known for quite a while. Jay, can you just start us off? First of all, you're in sunny Florida and I'm in Boston. Um, <laughs> it's so great to have this technology. But when you were a student at Boston University in cam on campus, um, we spent a lot of time together. So maybe give us a little bit of background of, of, of what it was like when you were a student at BU. Absolutely. When I was a student, I was involved in everything under the sun, but one of my work studies was at Sergeant Choice Nutrition Center. And as I was uh, and I was sort of progressing in tenure with that program, I inherited the Sergeant Choice Test Kitchen, which Karen used to host in her Stewie 2 apartment. And we would cook recipes that came from the nutrition center together, try to corral students from different backgrounds, uh, different parts of the university, different interests, and talk and, and learn to cook and learn to use cooking tools and techniques and eat. Uh, it, it was one of like the highlights of our, uh, of our weekly routine for sure. So Jay, I have such wonderful memories of you as the Sergeant Choice Ambassador. And you, as you said, were involved in so many activities. Yeah. One activity in particular brought lots and lots of students to the Sergeant Choice Test Kitchen. Maybe you can just share that experience. I've never had one like that um, before and haven't since um, <laughs> you've graduated. Yeah, the one of the programs I used to love uh, about our community service center at Boston University is the First Year Student Outreach Project. So over the course of the summer, we bring all of these first-year students to campus and we engage in social justice initiatives and education around the greater Boston area. So the year that I was a coordinator for the program, uh, I know when took my staff through training and you know talked about what I did on campus and my background and my interest in nutrition and food and everything. And our first uh, test kitchen back on campus once classes had commenced my staff had also told all of their volunteer first year students and we had upwards of probably upwards of 100 people roll through your apartment that night and it was just people passing food like lines you know this is pre-covid but it was just an insane turnout for that i don't think either of us were expecting it was amazing and i can't even recall what we made was it was it oh crazy? man it was either it was either crepes or because well, we always did a we always do a vegetarian dish just to accommodate. Um, it was either crepes or it was a pasta dish because I remember the like the plating of it was 
it just was like not time consuming. So I just remember like, like spooning and spooning and spooning and spooning and just like passing things out as we were going. <laughs> it was it was a fun experience. Yeah. And for those of you who um, haven't you know heard about the um, Sargent College Nutrition Center, we have a collaboration with them where at um, Student Village 2, which is located at 33 Harriet Gaines Way, over the last, oh my gosh, how many years now? 17 years going on more. Um, every week we have a Sergeant Choice Test Kitchen where they give us vegetarian um, recipes. Some of them are vegan and we test them out and thumbs up, thumbs down, suggestions for any changes. And um, we thoroughly enjoy trying them out. And so that will start again in the fall. Um, it'll be on Tuesdays. We're going to have it at 5.30 to 8.30, again, at 33 Harry Gaines Way, open to all Boston University um, students. And um, come join us. And we'll ha- probably have a podcast closer to that time period talking more about it. So, Jay, let's get back to you. Okay, <laughs> fast forward. Fast forward, you're no longer a BU student. Nope. Um, what are you doing now? And what are you doing in Florida? I'm doing uh, I'm doing a lot. So I, my my current role is with Orange Theory Fitness at our corporate office in Boca Raton, Florida, and I sit on an innovation team. So it's definitely a hodgepodge of projects and initiatives that I'm um, you know handling at one time. Presently, sort of runs the gamut between sort of like business and strategy development, uh, and then some like corporate wellness programming and fitness operations. So you know, working outside of what is you know, been my primary job for so many years as a dietitian, uh, you know, and in the fitness industry, it's, uh, it's been interesting. And that's what brought me to Florida. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're really happy there. And I'm sure that they are so happy that you are in Florida. <laughs> so, who are the players in providing nutrition care today? That's a really complicated question. And I think that's really sort of where my mind has been since I started back in the fitness industry. So my background after BU is um, a clinical dietitian, and then I was working, I got myself into eating disorders, which is really my niche and my passion. Um, along the way, I found a, a huge interest in diversity, equity, and inclusion when it comes to healthcare provision. So when I, I you know, and I, and I was always a personal trainer you know, in college and thereafter. So this is not an f- unfamiliar brand to me, but when I had moved to Florida, and sort of left my roles in primary healthcare and counseling and started in this corporate setting, it really, it, it, within, like I'm so passionate about scope of practice. And then in this job, right before the pandemic had hit, you start to see this boom in a virtual setting. And we start to see more people have, having time at home to think about food. And the, the way that the population now thinks about health and wellness has really exploded. It's you know, it went from being something that was neglected to really being top of mind for most people in a lot of surveys um, that have gone out in the last two years. So thinking about how as a health professional, that term is now an umbrella term for all kinds of folks that might be appropriately credentialed or licensed or have the education to provide information in this case on, you know, food and nutrition all the way down to those who have a really strong opinion and might have a really strong social following. So, you know, when it comes to receiving nutrition care or those that are providing it, you're, the, the hats folks wear and the titles they have is very diverse now. Um, I think people are inundated with in, uh, information around their health 
uh, and nutrition in particular, because everyone has to eat. So it's something that we all engage with. And whether you're on Instagram, you're watching something on a streaming service and a commercial pops up, there's a lot of different players in the ballgame now. Well, you are certainly doing so much. And, um, you know, you have expertise in so many areas. Um, I want to keep our focus a little bit on nutrition. Um, how is nutrition care regulated in the United States? And I want to say I started off my, my day with steel-cut oatmeal, fresh blueberries, strawberries, <laughs> and a little bit of maple syrup. I hope that was okay. Does that sound good? Missing a little bit of protein to balance that out, but it sounds delicious and sweet. Yeah, so maybe I should have, you know, what, um, some poached eggs or something? That sounds fantastic. One, I mean, depending on how you feel about it, one of my uh, old go-tos when I was working in the hospital and had really early days was I would do an overnight oat and then add a scoop of like a flavored whey protein. So it was either chocolate oatmeal or it became vanilla oatmeal or peanut butter oatmeal. Um, and that way it was really accessible for me to travel on the tea or, you know, sit on a bus for a long time and then just get to my desk and eat breakfast. Oh, that sounds great. Okay. I'm going to add, I'm going to add something to this <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. So, and it comes to the regulation of nutrition care, it varies state by state. And that I think adds to how convoluted it can be or how confusing it can be as a consumer to know where to get the information, what information is reliable and what information is really credible and how it kind of applies to the situation or the the individuality that we all sort of need and, and seek when it comes to our healthcare. So because it varies state by state, sort of how people can title themselves, how people can be paid for nutrition services also varies. And what I think is really interesting, and there's some great maps that uh, outline this. So like on uh, uh, nutritioned.org is a great website that sort of goes over like how to how to become a different kind of nutrition professional with these different titles and education backgrounds, but it also shows state by state, the level of regulation that exists. So at the highest level of, uh, you know, education experience, you'll have your registered dietitian, and that's somebody who's gone through a didactic program. So a structured program, um, really focusing on how do you provide medical nutrition therapy, um, public health, it goes over much of the chemical and biological sciences. And in the end, like this is the person who then is going to go and do an internship. So, you know, working in different nutrition settings and then entering the field of nutrition as a credentialed and licensed professional. Because every state is a little bit different, the idea of being licensed as a nutrition professional is where the gray area starts. So in some states, um, there's no regulation or there's really no fine print saying who can or cannot be uh, paid or licensed to provide nutrition care. Some states might not even require a licensure to provide it. So the only thing protecting dietitians is the fact that um, through CDR or through our accrediting body, we have to go through this regulated program of education experience in order to have that title. But because of that, you know, it makes our services costly or a lot of insurance companies won't cover nutrition services still. So as we go lower in the totem pole of sort of just experience um, and breadth of scope of practice, what ends up happening is, you know, uh, people who might call themselves health coaches or nutrition coaches who probably have education, uh, you know, a small facet of education when it comes to behavior and just general healthy eating based off of information available. But those more niche 
and specific individualized situations, they're really not supposed to. It can actually get, it can actually be quite dangerous um, if you enter a situation where somebody leaves their scope of practice and tries to provide nutrition care without really being able or essentially being um, liable for making a mistake or going outside that scope. Uh, a great example is I think supplements are top of people's minds, but anything we put into our bodies, as, the, as soon as you swallow, it's sort of out of our hands what happens. And a dietitian who you know can provide medical nutrition therapy would have more of an experience and more of an understanding of sort of what other conditions or other situations need to be considered and uh, therefore talked about before making any decision probably would refer out to a physician or to another medical professional depending on the person's you know, health history current medication regimen uh, and other things like that other groups are not insured so like the liability increases when we sort of go into these grayer areas of nutrition providers um, and that's not to say that you know, a nutrition coach or a health coach is not good at what they do sometimes if you're just looking for you know, a quick meal plan or thinking about, you know, small behavioral changes that you can implement if you're trying to like maybe lose weight or perform um, better in a particular sport. You might not need to go through health insurance. You may not need to go to a registered dietitian right away um, if it's more general public health level information. But as it gets more specific, you know, that medical nutrition therapy is the only thing protected um, for registered dietitians right now. Uh, so to compare, you know, growing up in Massachusetts, I always assumed because, you know, in Boston in particular, it's a healthcare mecca that dietitians are like really protected. Our craft was appreciated. And that's not really the case. Actually, in Massachusetts, there's less regulation for nutrition care than there is in the state of Florida. Florida is a lot more restrict um, around who can provide nutrition care and the different licenses um, and protections that exist when it comes to liabilities. Jay, this is such important information. You know, so would would a consumer ask for the person's CV, um, look for what credentials are after their names? You know, how can, you know, consumers be better educated? That's a great question. I think a good, I always recommend to any client having a healthy amount of skepticism. Um, I think in our day, in our day-to-day, -day, you know, our attention span is so limited. And that's why certain platforms like Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, TV and other media marketing, they've sort of catered to our short attention span. So videos are really short and quick. You know, uh, text is really small and very finite to the point. Because of that, I always say if somebody is making a direct or finite claim, question it, you know, have that healthy level of skepticism to say, so they're saying like, this is the weight loss cure, or if they're saying you're going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days, definitely don't recommend anybody trying to do that necessarily. But the, those types of claims have to be supported by something. So dive deeper. Don't just take it at face value as would be one recommendation. Um, looking at, you know, professional experience, if you're able to see someone's profile or CV or resume, is great. A lot of times in healthcare, you can see that with the letters after folks' names. So I know, like, you know, we all take a lot of pride in that because with those letters comes education experience that we've put the time and effort into in order to be able to do something. So, you know, seeing the, the acronyms of like RDN or LDN at least lets you know it's like, you know, it's a, a, a registered or a certified license, uh, 
a registered or a licensed dietetic professional. You know, there's other folks that might just be coaches. So you might see like a CNC, which is a certified nutrition coach, um, you know, fitness professionals, you know, there's a lot of like overlap between health and behavior and movement and eating. So essentially thinking about what it is you're looking for and how, how specific is it going to be or how general is it going to be? And I think the more that you're aware of your own intentions and you apply that healthy level of skepticism, it helps sort of sort through maybe some of the nonsense or maybe some of the false claims that do exist because everyone, you know, anyone who's in, who's working or in business wants to make the money and everybody probably has a relative good intention of wanting to help people too. So you got to sort through the marketing, you got to sort through the media and, and just make a really informed decision. I also recommend that whenever you do a Google search, um, you know, if you just type in, how do I lose weight or how do I run faster? You're going to get what is the most popular um, on an internet search, not necessarily what is the most credible or maybe the, the most appropriate for your situation. So just look at who the authors of different articles are or who's publishing them. You know, there's definitely more credibility in something that's academic or something that's coming from a credentialed provider than there is in maybe an anecdote or, uh, you know, a, a case story that somebody put on a blog, for example. Um, a lot of, again, a lot of healthy skepticism to think about, you know, what, what does this person have to gain by sharing this information? Or who funded this? You know, is there maybe a little bit of coercion or is there a little bit of bias that's here? And if you find the same information in more than one place, it's more likely to be true or appropriate than, you know, the, perhaps we're always looking for the quick, easy fix. So if we find something that is the answer we want to hear, but we don't find what we want to hear more than once or twice, probably isn't the best answer. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Yeah, because I, I know that when I log on to social media, um, for some reason, I'm getting um, a lot of, of advertisements about gummy, some kind of gummy weight loss. Um, <laughs> okay. And, you know, you look at that and it says, wow, you know, easy way to lose weight. But then if you go into exploring it some more, you know, who's, who's suggesting this. So, right. um, you know, I think that skepticism that you're talking about is really important. And, you know, I thank you for sharing that. Of course it, it's, you know, part of it is, it's, like I said, you know, when I re-entered the fitness industry and really left primary healthcare, there's a lot that's not in my hands anymore. And some of the work that I'm doing for orange theory is trying to develop this roadmap or this strategy around how do we, how do we finally apply nutrition in our studios and give our members sort of what they're asking for and that bigger piece of the puzzle of, you know, just health promotion and supporting performance and supporting healthy bodies and decreasing the risk of chronic disease, but doing so in a really effective and efficacious way that's, you know, that's appropriate for the masses. You know, so thinking at a higher level has really, really got me sort of fired up around making sure that when anybody seeks out care, that that care, if it's coming from my company, if it's coming from me, if it's coming from one of my coaches, that it's safe and it's appropriate for that situation. And at the moment that it's not, we have resources or we have a place for them to go to get it. And I think that only builds, that only supports the consumer in the end, because I think there's more power in 
if you don't have the answer to a question saying, you know, I can't do that, or I actually don't know the answer, but I know who does. And that warm handoff, I think is way more appropriate. And actually, I think in the consumer's eyes probably makes them feel more respected and like they're being treated really well and very individually than lying or stepping outside your scope just to just to keep that client to be yours or something like that. Oh, thank you so much. Really great, great wisdom. Um, we, I have one last question um, before we conclude this really fascinating, informative episode. What's your why? What gets you up in the morning? <laughs> Besides my dogs needing to go to the bathroom? Um, I, I think whenever it comes to existing, you have to walk the walk and, and talk the talk. So for me, my why is I know, I mean, I learned it and I've taught it and I, you know, observed it in, in, in supervision practice, how to be healthy and whatever healthy means to you. You know, how do you live a fruitful life um, and make the most of treating your body well and letting your body sort of take you through the, th the things that we encounter socially, professionally, so my why honestly is to just make, make every day count and give myself the most longevity that I can, because when there's the good, there's also the bad. Um, but if you, you know, keel over and you give in to the bad, then you never get to re-experience the good. So just staying steadfast, you know, eating the right way, moving the right way, staying connected to people. It's really my why. If, as soon as I stop doing that, then I've stopped being who I am and I can't necessarily call myself a credible professional anymore. Well, thank you, Jay. I, your why is important. And, you know, it inspired me today to get up and do take a walk. I'm watching um, one of my children's dog um, <laughs> for part of the summer. Um, I'm up in New Hampshire, not in, not in the dorm um, right now. And I'm going to go take him for a walk. Amazing. So thank you. Thank you, Jay. And thank you so much. No, it's been a great to reconnect um, for sure. Yeah, it is. Take care. And everyone, thank you for listening to this exciting episode of Health Matters at BU Sargent College.